Are you on the fence about whether or not to give your children an allowance? Would you like to help them develop a good work ethic and a biblical view of money management, but aren't sure how to do that at age-appropriate levels? Then we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. If you enjoy this podcast and want to help support our ministry, one way you can do that is by purchasing Ginger's resources directly from her website instead of other online retailers. And stay tuned until the end of this episode to receive a discount code on your purchase at gingerhubbard.com. Thank you so much for your support. This enables us to further our mission to help parents reach the hearts of their children for the glory of God. Have you ever noticed that when you encounter news stories or even advertisements in our world, you have to give your kids a disclaimer like, well, kids, I know they're saying that all is hopeless, but here's what we believe. Wouldn't it be nice if you could point them to a news source that would actually encourage them to see how God is working in our world today? Well, it is nice because there is such a news source. It's called World Watch. This is an engaging professional news show produced by Christian journalists and it's designed specifically for kids. In just 10 minutes a day, you and your kids can stay up to date on the current headlines without the hopelessness and hysteria of most other news sources. My favorite part is that every episode ends with this reminder, whatever the news, the purpose of the Lord will stand. To find out more about World Watch, just go to worldwatch.news slash ginger to access a free episode. Again, that's worldwatch.news slash ginger. Well, hey there, Ginger. Today's topic is one I'm really sure my husband is very interested to hear from me in particular because he knows there are two words that are guaranteed to make my eyes glaze over and my ears stop working. Budget meeting. It just, I go comatose every time he says it. Uh, But I mean, Ginger, there are literally certain times of the day when I cannot talk about money because I just feel this anxiety welling up in me. And it is because of that mastery I have over my own feelings and emotions about money that I feel super qualified to dedicate an entire episode to this topic today. (laughs) Well, I think that makes you more than qualified, Katie. (laughs) Honesty. (laughs) Through experience. (laughs) Well, it's a fact that money is one of the most common causes of stress and anxiety and often the topic of arguments in marriage relationships. That's one of the many reasons we should start teaching our children early on to have a good work ethic and a biblical view of money management. Exactly. And not to put too much pressure on our listeners, but I believe that so much of our relationship with money stems from how we were raised. Whether money is scarce or abundant, I don't think that matters as much as what our relationship is with it. And how we as parents interact with money speaks volumes to our children, whether we actively teach them about money or not. For example, there's a pretty comical article I found online called Bad With Money? Tell Me About Your Mother. (laughs) Actually, I think this could be the title of any secular counseling article out there. So like, bad with romantic relationships? Tell me about your mother. Uh, Bad with overeating? Tell me about your mother. I mean, we could go on and on. Um, And while I'd love to just call every bit of that psychobabble, 
we can't really deny the influence that we as parents have on our kids' relationship with money and how that relationship can affect literally every other relationship they have with their future spouses, with their employer, and most importantly, with their relationship with the Lord. Yep. And we do well to remember that our kids are learning from our example and that that whole do as I say, not as I do approach, it just doesn't work in parenting. Mm. Our children learn most not by what they hear us say, but what they see us do. So in following our examples regarding money, we need to ask ourselves, will they be wise stewards or frivolous spenders? Will they be faithful to tithe and give to Caesar what is Caesar's, so to speak? Or will they be miserly blame shifters who make excuses for disobeying God's commands? Will they give cheerfully and generously to help others? Or will they be tight-fisted complainers who use their money to only serve themselves? Children are students of their parents. Luke 640 says the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. That verse is such a motivator uh, for parents to set the right example for kids. Yeah, that verse is always so convicting to me, especially as a homeschooling mom, since my kids have even more time to learn from what they see me do day in and day out. That one really gets at me. Um, But let's start out today by reading a listener question, and then we'll dive deeper into the topic of allowance, chores, and money management. This question came in on Instagram, and here's what our listener asked. Hi, I love your podcast, and I'm reading your book. I can't believe you just said that. Have you ever done an episode about a biblical approach to teaching kids about money, allowance, chores, etc.? I looked back at the titles of your episodes, but I don't see one. I have a four-year-old, and we're just beginning to think about if he should be paid for chores or just given an allowance and taught to help when we ask him to without having specific assigned chores. Any help or direction would be appreciated. Thank you so much, and thank you for the blessing of your resources for young moms like me. Okay, Ginger, I do not want to nitpick this sweet mama's question because I do have some ideas and suggestions for her as well, and I know you do. But one word that stuck out to me while I was reading is the word should. If we all got a nickel for every time a Christian parent got on a podcast, a blog, or social media and told another Christian parent what they should or shouldn't do, we'd all be really rich. (laughs) That's Um, right. And while Ginger and I are very willing to share our opinions on things like this, we never want to conflate our opinions and God's word. So I can't speak to whether or not you should give an allowance or connect your child's income with chores. That is absolutely between you, your family, and the Lord. But all that disclaimer aside, Ginger, let's start with your views on allowance. I know some people hate the idea of allowance. They probably even hate the word itself because it does have an entitled ring to it. Yeah, it really does. The word allowance makes it sound as though kids are entitled to money for no other reason than existing. But really, none of us are entitled to anything. God is the creator and giver of all things. So ultimately, everything belongs to God. That means he has the right to give and take away as he wishes to serve his purposes. So before I give my personal opinion on allowances, I want to preface it by acknowledging that there are so many different ways to view this. Allowances can be used as a tool for teaching kids money management from a biblical perspective, and I know many parents who've done that well. So just because I didn't give our kids an allowance doesn't mean it's sinful to do so. It's just not what I chose to do. Personally, 
I don't see buying children whatever they want, whenever they want, as being too much different from handing over free money for them to make purchases themselves. Either way, they get what they want for free, which can nurture an attitude of entitlement. Dave Ramsey says, hard work is an antidote to entitlement. I like that statement. Now, this isn't to say that children who are occasionally given money that they didn't earn will automatically struggle with entitlement, but if they never have to work to earn money, I would say they more than likely will. And even more alarming is that the work ethics that shape a child often carry over to adulthood. So I chose to not give my kids an allowance and to teach money managing skills with wages they earn for themselves. Now, I'm not saying that we should never give to our kids. I love giving to my children as much as the next parent. God recognizes a parent's desire to bless their children with gifts, and he doesn't condemn it. Matthew 7, 11 says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? There's a place for blessing our children with gifts, but overindulging them with money they didn't earn can lead them to a sense of entitlement and ungratefulness. There are many benefits to requiring children to earn their own money as opposed to giving them an allowance, but I think I'm just going to name a couple. First, they learn the value of hard work. There's a great sense of accomplishment and satisfaction and even dignity in a job well done. Second, they learn the value of a dollar. When the level of work equals wages earned, it brings an understanding and respect for the value of money. So Katie, that's pretty much my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts about allowances? Well, I feel mostly the same. Um, We've discovered with our kids that a penny earned is a penny saved. So my kids have no issues spending money they didn't have to work to earn. That's not to say that we haven't given them an allowance from time to time when we were in a season, usually where we just didn't have as many paid chores to offer our kids around the house. But it is so much more difficult to teach patients with money when they are spending what they didn't have to earn. When they earn money themselves, they almost certainly think twice before buying something really frivolous. Mm -hmm. Now that said, there are at least two benefits that I can see when we give money to our kids without them earning it. And I'm thinking more in terms of a lump sum rather than just this steady flow of money they didn't earn themselves. But let's say we give our kids what is to them a large amount of money. And I suggest doing this once they've already learned what the Bible has to say about giving, saving, and the love of money. And then let them decide how to spend it. I would absolutely encourage, but not force them to consider giving generously with at least a portion of it. Uh, There's just something really satisfying about being able to give more generously than you would be able to on your own. And I've actually had that opportunity several times in my life to give more generously than I would have been able to otherwise because of what was generously given to me. So that's one benefit, generous giving beyond their current means or capabilities. The second benefit I can think of is a more keen awareness that our money isn't really our own, ever. Even if we do earn it, everything we have has been given to us by a generous God who desires that we give generously in return. This is one way they can learn that principle. They did nothing to earn it. And so being stingy or selfish with it is actually much more difficult. And it's a lot more stark when you give it to them and then they're stingy with it. It, it makes it more obvious. Um, it will reveal something about what's in their hearts that maybe you or they didn't realize before. Because in the same way that it's easy to spend money you didn't earn, it's also really easy to hold too tightly to money you did earn. So I think it's healthy to give our kids experiences with both of these means of coming into money. 
Mm, absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that, Katie. Holding on too tightly to money is just as idolatrous as spending it to buy things that we believe will bring us more joy and satisfaction than God. Exactly. Have you ever been at a total loss for how to explain to your kids some of the really hard things they've seen in our culture or in the news? Sometimes I resort to distraction, like, hey, who wants ice cream? (laughs) Because I'm just not sure how to rightly respond. This is why I'm so excited about a new podcast that is stepping in to meet that need. The podcast is called Concurrently, and each episode is full of practical help so that we can teach our kids how to develop news literacy and biblical discernment. To find out more, visit concurrentlypodcast.com, and you can listen to new episodes of Concurrently every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Ginger, let's talk about chores. I know you're a hardworking woman who keeps a very tidy house. So I imagine chores were a pretty regular thing for your kids when they were growing up. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Chores are one way for children to learn to serve rather than always being served. It also teaches them teamwork and to be helping members of the family. I also believe that when children are responsible for some of the cleaning, they naturally become more sensitive to leaving messes. Mm. I highly recommend starting them on chores at a very young age to avoid potential resistance and bad attitudes about it later. But when my kids were still in diapers, they had playpen time every day, and I kept a basket in the corner And when the playpen time was over, I guided their hands to pick up and drop their toys into the basket. And of course, I only allowed two or three toys at a time uh, so that it wasn't overwhelming for them to pick up and put those in the basket. That was their first chore ever. They couldn't even talk. But by teaching them how to clean behind themselves at such a young age, it was always uh, just a natural part of their lives, which meant that as they got older, cleaning their rooms wasn't a battle. It was just something that they had always done. It's all they had ever known. As far as helping around the house, my kids had required chores that they were not paid for. They had a chore list to refer to so that I didn't always have to remind them all the time, every day, about what was expected. Now, not to say that I didn't sometimes have to remind them. I did sometimes, (laughs) but having that list for them to refer to certainly helped. And when they were really little, before they were able to read, I took photos of them making their beds and emptying their trash, dropping their clothes in the hamper, brushing their teeth teeth and and just small chores like that that they were capable of doing and I created a vertical collage with the photos and I hung it in their rooms so they were they had this picture list to reference that's smart I love that idea it was fun they we had so much fun taking the pictures I remember I walking bet. around the house and them taking pictures do you and, still have those pictures you know I, I saw them probably a few years ago and I actually went back trying to find them the other day when I was preparing for this episode because I thought it'd be so cute to yeah. put those pictures in the show notes and I can't find them I don't know what I've done with them well, they're somewhere if you I'll find come them again hold on to those for your future grandkids because they will absolutely will. love that <laughs> I will I remember they were so cute oh and we uh, pasted them on construction paper different colored construction paper and then you know had them linked all together. It was really cute. It was fun. Mm. They also had a separate list of extra chores that they could do as a way to earn money. The extra chores were not required. Uh, Some were inside chores, some were outside, but they were completely optional. If they chose to work, they earned money. If they didn't work, they didn't get paid. Well, Ginger, I know our listeners like to hear about the practical side of things. So can you give just a few chore ideas that you did for kids at different ages? Sure. On average, a, uh, a two-year-old could put his toys away, clean his plate and cup from the table, undress himself, and put his clothes in a hamper. 
A three-year-old could empty all the waste baskets, help set and clear the table, and make her own bed. A four-year-old can gather laundry, feed the dog, help empty the dishwasher, and bring groceries inside. Now, granted, we do have to be willing to work alongside them until they get the hang of it and are able to do it for themselves. And I do want to add that teaching littles to do chores requires lots of patience. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So keep that in mind. I also encourage, encourage parents to not be too picky. It's not about the quality of work when they're that young. It's about establishing good habits and attitudes. Well, Ginger, as you know, I have learned many things from Sonia Schaefer at Simply Charlotte Mason. Uh, She's been on our show several times. We plan to have her in the future, Lord willing, because she's just amazing. But one of the most helpful, practical things I've learned from her is a four-step process for how to teach children to do something new, or really to teach anybody to learn something new. And I'm going from memory here because I couldn't find it on her website. But here's what I think she says, and it's four steps. Number one is I do the task while they watch. Number two, I do it while they help. Number three, they do it while I help. And then number four, they do it while I watch. So if you take Mm -hmm. that approach to teaching them how to do chores, they will have it down and they'll have it down to your standards (laughs) in no time. Mm-hmm. Yep, I love it. Sonia always has the best advice, she which does. is which, why you said, Katie, we love having her on our show. So, Katie, while I was preparing for this episode, I came across an old list of chores when my kids were eight and 11. And uh, we had a set day during this time period every week where we all work together to clean the house. And I'm just going to read my list so that you guys can get an idea of how I divided the chores between my kids and me. And yes, I included myself on the list because it was all about teamwork, not free labor. (laughs) So, uh, So here's my list. Mom, clean kitchen, sweep and mop all floors, dust all furniture. Wesley, who is 11, clean toilets and tubs in all three bathrooms, vacuum all carpets. Alex, who is eight, Clean sinks, counters, and mirrors in all bathrooms. Empty all waste baskets into big trash. So with all of us working as a team, it only took about an hour and a half for us to clean the whole house. And again, the particular chores that you assign to your kids aren't important. What's important is that they learn a good work ethic, the value of teamwork, and the importance of serving and being helping members of the family. So Katie, what does this look like in your family? Well, we have simple daily and weekly chores that our kids do. Um, For instance, my 11-year-old daughter has really gotten into laundry lately, and she wants to do all of the laundry. And we do sort of pay her a small fee above and beyond what she typically earns for the other chores, just because, my goodness, if the child wants to do all the laundry, I'm going to let her do all the laundry. Seriously. (laughs) So, I mean, for five people is no joke. And our youngest loves changing clothes 17 times a day. So that's quite a lot of laundry she has to do. Um, But, you know, they have table chores that they do every day and things like that. But we don't do much more beyond that. Their own spaces in a few common areas. But since we homeschool and my husband works from home, we do actually pay a housekeeper to help us with the deep cleaning every other week. And I know some people have really strong opinions about hiring people to help with domestic responsibilities. And that's okay. I mean, this is something we're more than happy to pay as a family uh, since it makes it possible for me to work on this podcast. It makes it possible for us to do some of the other things we actually work at. Uh, So it's not all, you know, we hire people to do the work so we can play. There are other areas we focus our work. Yeah, so so full disclosure here. uh, We've gotten a housekeeper too since we've gotten so busy with this podcast because it just frees me up to be able to put more efforts into this. So, you know, that's the season of life that we're in right now as well that works. 
And I do agree that scrubbing toilets is character building in many ways, but I don't think it's the only way <laughs> to build character. Um, right. I'm of the opinion that it's important for a child to have responsibilities in the home, but that can look different for every family. And it really different for every child within the same family. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Ginger, now we're going to get to what I believe is the most crucial part of our listener's question. Let's talk about money management because there are plenty of people who know how to work hard and earn money, but they are miserable with money management. So how can we teach our children if we don't have a good handle on it ourselves? That is so true. I know our listeners Love it when we give how-to practical advice, and I'm happy to share what worked for teaching my children basic money management skills, but I, I really don't want to spend too much time on that because there are so many methods out there that work well, and more important than method is motive. Mm -hmm. Our motives are going to be right when we understand and practice biblical principles regarding money management, but on the practical side of things, I taught my kids to use a tithing, saving, spending method. And in that order, tithing came first because that's commanded in scripture. Then a certain percentage of their money was put away into a savings account and whatever was left was for spending. So that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. But if you guys are uh, looking for more practical ideas for teaching children how to manage money from a biblical perspective, I highly recommend Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace Junior Kit. It's a great way to teach kids. I think he recommends ages 3 to 12 the value of saving, spending, and giving. It also has lots of fun activities and chore charts, uh, which are super helpful. And we'll definitely have Heather put a link to that in our show notes so you can check that out. All right. So Katie, how about you share some of your thoughts on teaching money management skills? And when I say that, I'm meaning biblical principles to our children. Sure. Well, we have used Financial Peace Junior with our kids and they loved it. We had all of his children's books, which are so much fun. And we had them on audio as well. So our kids listened to those constantly and it just taught different aspects of saving and giving and the things that you want your kids to pick up on, um, you know, the biblical principles you want them to have regarding money. I would add, though, that it might be helpful to think of four categories rather than the three that he gives, because it's great to have money for tithing to the church as we're commanded to do, but I think it's helpful to have a separate category for charitable giving as well. Those mm -hmm. are two separate categories biblically, I believe, and should be treated as such. And so starting that early on gives them that mindset. Absolutely. Uh, but to your point about motive, Ginger, it's interesting to me that Jesus spoke so often about money. In fact, he talked about money more than he talked about heaven, hell, and sex. 16 of his 38 parables dealt with money. There are, hmm. more, there are more than 2,000 scriptures on tithing, money, and possessions in the Bible, which is double the amount of scriptures on faith and prayer combined. Wow, I didn't realize that. And I'll link in the show notes to an article on that info because I didn't just have that floating around in my head, nor did I count 2,000 scriptures this week. <laughs> I was about to ask. You've been pretty busy this week, Katie. That was a little Google search right there. But more importantly than the methods we use to teach our children, as you said, Ginger, we need to remind them and ourselves about motives. So listen to Jesus's stern warning in Matthew 6, 22 through 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mm -hmm. And one thing to take note of, of that in the, about that verse is that Jesus didn't say it's difficult to mm -hmm. serve both. 
He said it's impossible to serve both. Exactly. So the question is, what does it mean for us to serve money rather than God? What does that look like? What does a rich person who serves money look like? What does a poor person who serves money look like? What does a middle-class person who serves money look like? You know, how do we demonstrate with our behaviors, like spending and tithing and giving generously, how do we model with our behaviors that God is our treasure and not our money? Hmm. And that's the key to a biblical view of money management right there, Katie. Mm -hmm. We're given clear reasons as to why Jesus did spend so much time talking about money and how to handle it in Matthew 6, 21, which says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ginger, my pastor recently said this, and it so convicted me, but he said, our hearts go where our money does. Hmm. So if our hearts go where our money goes, What does that say about our hearts if we are reluctant to tithe because finances are tight? What does it say about us if we turn to retail therapy when life gets hard or stressful? What does it say about us if we feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit to give generously to someone in need, but we ignore that? So I know this episode is meant to encourage parents how to teach their children these things, but I believe the best tool outside of God's word to teach a child to have a healthy relationship with money is the living testimony of parents who walk it out on a daily basis. You know, tithing is an act of worship and an act of faith. And I read one statistic that said that only 13% of evangelicals tithe and half of those give less than 1% of their income. Hmm. So if our hearts aren't aligned with God's word as it relates to money, then how can we expect to teach that to our children? And just a little side note, if you give online or your giving is done automatically, I encourage you to involve your children in that process somehow so that they can see you do that. Back Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, we had to pass an offering plate and it was really obvious who was giving and who Mm -hmm. was not. Um, And I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm just saying, get your kids involved in that process so they can learn these regular rhythms of worship because that's exactly what it is. It's worship as we give our money. It's an act of faith. How do our children see us live out our faith with our finances? So our kids can see how we shop. They watch us when we give to other people in need. We can have a profound effect on how our children relate to money simply by living life with them day after day and involving them in those conversations and in that process. Now, I don't want to say that it doesn't matter what we teach our kids about allowances, chores, and money management because, you know, how we choose to guide our children in these things can have an impact on them in adulthood. But I also want to make sure we aren't so focused on the methods that we miss the message Because an allowance is a tool we can use to teach our children about money management. Chores are a tool that we can use to teach them about work and the law of the harvest and lessons on saving, investing, living within our means. These all teach responsible money management. But if we introduce these things to our kids without giving them the biblical foundations for money, then we haven't addressed the heart behind what the Bible has to say about money. Mm, Exactly. And that foundation begins, that foundation that we want to give to our children, it begins by teaching them that God is the owner of everything we have. Mm. We're just the managers of all that he's entrusted to our care. When we acknowledge that it's all his and surrender to the fact that he gives and takes away to serve his purposes, 
we're motivated to be more open-handed. That understanding also motivates us to view spending decisions as spiritual decisions. Mm. So maybe instead of questioning whether or not we can afford to buy this or that, we need to question whether or not God would want us to use His resources in that way. Mm. Not that we can't enjoy the gifts that God gives. God loves to give good gifts to his children. And according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, we can and should enjoy those gifts. But when we take into context the whole passage, we see that there are also commands regarding the gifts he gives us. And those commands serve as an even higher purpose than our own enjoyment. In verses 17 and 18, Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. To manage our money in accordance with God's commands is to live out the belief that God owns it all. If we really believe that, it's going to reflect in how we spend our money. The bottom line of our topic today is that our kids are watching us. How do they see us managing money? What does our spending reveal to our kids about our goals and our priorities? And what does it reveal about who we believe is in charge? Now is the part of our show where we give a quick tip for parents. Today's quick tip is courtesy of Ginger. What do you have for us, Ginger? Well, we all know that children love visuals. So when paying toddlers or young children for jobs, have them put their money that they earn in a jar or a clear container instead of a piggy bank so that they can watch their money grow. And remember, don't worry about quality when they're little. Just cheer for them and make a big deal about completing the job and be sure to pay them immediately so they'll make that connection between working and getting paid. Okay, can I give two more quick tips for older kids? Yeah. Okay, these are two that just came to my mind as we were working on this episode. And one is... Uh, especially when the kids are beyond a piggy bank type thing or they, you know, they're getting wads of 20s filling up their piggy bank, it might be time to switch to a different method, Mm -hmm. like a digital Mm -hmm. method. And so we use something called a green light card, which is a kid-friendly debit card. Parents get alerts on it. They're not going to go wild, you know, with a regular banking card. It's a totally different setup that's really safe for kids. So check out greenlight.com. That's one tip. And the second one, and we don't do this as well as we should. And it's something that I've just brought to mind that I want to bring back. But before your child makes a larger purchase, maybe they're spending a pretty big, significant amount of their savings or they're spending money. I think it's wise to sit with them and have them pray about it for a period of time before Mm -hmm. they commit to spending that money. Just getting them in the habit of not making knee-jerk reactions, especially large financial decisions. I mean, if it's a, you know, blow pop at the gas station, that's a different thing than if they want to buy, well, my son's into electric guitars right now. So if you wanted to blow half of his savings on an electric guitar, that would be a great instance where we ought to encourage him to pray through that for a set period of time before he makes it. Mm -hmm. Good tips. Very wise. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip about cooking, housekeeping, something you do with your kids, ideas for fun date nights with your spouse, anything at all. We would love to share your ideas on the podcast. Just go to gingerhubbard.com slash quick tips to submit those. Ginger, why don't you tell our listeners where you'll be later this month? 
Sure. I have two parenting conferences this month. Uh, the first one is this Saturday, April 15th at Grace Chapel in Inglewood, Colorado. And then on Saturday, April 29th, I'll be at Grace Covenant Church in Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, it's not too late to register for either of these events. So if any of our listeners can make it, I would absolutely love to meet you in person. And as always, we'll have Heather put more information and how you can register for these events in our show notes. Well, Ginger, for those parents who want to help their children develop a biblical view of money, as well as God-honoring habits with their money, can you please leave them with a final word of encouragement? Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So let's take opportunities to train our children to have a good work ethic and a biblical view of money, serving, and generosity. Thank you so much, Ginger, and thank you listeners for joining us today. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. Also on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering a 10% discount on her audio series, Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in a CD format or as a digital download. This three-session series is based on the content of Ginger's best-selling parenting book, Don't Make Me Count to Three, and it addresses topics such as how to reach the heart of your child, how to give a biblical reproof, and the biblical use of the rod. The digital download is perfect for our international listeners because there are no shipping costs, and if you enter the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com, you can get 10% off your order. If your church might be interested in hosting Ginger and me for a women's event or bringing Ginger in for a parenting conference, please fill out the contact form at gingerhubbard.com and we'll get back to you with more information. Thank you so much for joining us today, listeners. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. If you have a quick tip for our show, we would love to hear from you. It can be any random tip, any random tip. I really do need that super country music in the background for this part. I think it's always at this part when I go super country because I'm getting tired. Mm-hmm.